0: This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the
1: world's most exciting brands.
0: We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Here's a cool fact. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of CMO Moves. I'm here with the wonderful Linda Lee, who I'm so excited to get to know. And, And Linda is the CMO of Campbell's. And here we are day before we all leave on Thanksgiving. And I'm just so grateful that Linda made the time and is here to share it with me. It's literally like the last thing on our agenda today. Right, Linda? That's right. (laughs) What a better way to to end the short work week here. Yeah, exactly. And I I promise we'll we'll have some fun today. So Linda, tell me a little bit about you. Where are you based? And, And we'll get into more specifics about your role. I'm really excited to learn about your focus as CMO at Campbell's, but tell me a little bit about you personally. So I am based in Camden, New Jersey. I made the move
1: two years ago, exactly almost two years ago. And I'm originally I've been all over originally from Texas. And I say I'll always have Texas in my heart, but have lived in the Midwest, have lived in Shanghai, and obviously 15, 20 years or so, so have been in the New York City
0: area. That's awesome. So what part of Texas? Houston, outside of Houston, we just had Carl Laredo, the CMO of Wendy's. I don't know if you know Carl. We just had him on the podcast, and he said the same thing. He's from Texas, and he said, "What was the phrase? You can take the boy out of Texas, but you can't take Texas." So, so very similar feeling. Yeah, yeah, there's the boy out of Texas, but you can't take Texas out of the girl. Exactly. That's so cool. Awesome. So, are you a Rockets fan? I am a Rockets fan. Well, we have Julian Duncan, who just joined as their CMO fairly recently, is a good friend of ours. I I now find myself knowing more about the Rockets than ever (laughs) before. So very cool. And tell me a little bit about Campbell's HQ. Campbell's HQ is based out of
1: Camden, New Jersey. It's the history there is amazing to see. That the company has chosen to always to keep it there and to really be a part of that community and to um, build that community and build the company around that.
0: Tell me about when you joined Campbell's, what went into your decision? Tell me a little bit about your background. You have worked for pretty amazing brands, P&G, General Mills, Mondelez, just to name a few. You've been CMO before, so this isn't your first role as CMO, but what has led you to accept that role at Campbell's? And you've been there how many years years now? Two years. Two years. Two years. So I
1: wasn't necessarily looking at all for it. I think these things. My probably journey could be summed up as doors open, and I just I walk through them. And I feel like when there's flow, the flow works. I feel like that it kind of works for you. And in this case, it was just opportunistic of Campbell's calling with the amazing opportunity. And I was at the time CMO with Chef's Cut. So in a private equity or venture backed startup, that was something I wanted to experience and was really enjoying that. Working in Chelsea, Manhattan, riding my bike along the West Side Highway to work and got a call to join join Campbell's. And there's a lot of old friends here, and it's all part of this transformation in turning around our core meals and beverages businesses into growth mode. And anytime there's a seemingly impossible or difficult challenge, that is what. Firstly, draws me in, but then, second, was just the amazing portfolio of brands and the categories that these brands participate and are leaders in. Um, That ability to reimagine. What you know how these brands can be modernized in today's world and be relevant highly relevant to consumers lives today that it was it's a bit of a honor and dream come true to be able to do that at that scale. And no question, having, knowing some of the folks here gave me the a bit of that, I just that the similarity in values and yeah. who we are as humans, what our values are. And certainly it was a leap of faith of that would all,
0: it would all play out. Well, and, and this is a podcast, so you can't see Linda's shirt right now, but she's wearing a adorable Campbell's tee. And it's like, it's so synonymous with like childhood. Like I want to wear that. I don't even work for Campbell's and I would rock that shirt because I think it's so, it has such roots in everybody's childhood. You mentioned opportunity, right? The door opened, you took the role. We, We often talk about opportunistic versus intentional. Like you knew every move. I want this out of my next role. How would you describe your career path?
1: completely opportunistic. And I'll be honest with you. When in moments in my career, when I've tried to be intentional, because you are often coached, especially early in your career to be intentional. And I think it's a good thing. But for me personally, when I've been intentional, that's where I've hit kind of walls a bit. You want to absolutely own your career, But it's also knowing when going with where momentum naturally Mm -hmm. is, there's something there when things show up and everything just clicks of trusting then your intuition and trusting your gut, that there's something to discover and to learn and grow from. And if the chemistry, I've probably used chemistry as my barometer, if the chemistry is there, It's always led to something amazing that I couldn't even have imagined at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it opened up new doors that again, couldn't have imagined. And that really is the thread
0: of my career. That's awesome. And back to your first role of CMO was for um, Stonyfield Farm, correct? Mm -hmm. So before that was at least CMO on your radar. Okay. Linda's nodding. No, everybody. (laughs) Whatever.
1: I'll say I've been in jobs that I really didn't have the stripes for. I didn't have the degree for, I didn't have the necessary stripes or resume for, and I've been very just lucky and blessed to have people who saw something and were willing to take a chance on me. And certainly then the onus was on me to not just only deliver, but Mm over-deliver against than the, the job itself. And so I, I guess I am somewhat of an optimist of believing in meritocracy and in that there are many elements to moving your career, but the one that I probably look, play into is results and in really long-term, like long-term
0: equity of what letting the results speak for themselves. And in your role today, I know that you have a focus on the food and beverage component. So tell us a little bit about your role. What's your remit? What's your team like?
1: It's the meals and beverage portfolio. So it includes soup, Prego, Italian sauce, paste, Mexican salsa. We've got Pacific Foods, which is our organic food brand. And we've got V8. what we say, the original plant-powered drink. And then there's some smaller brands, fun brands like SpaghettiOs, which just has
0: so much nostalgia and equity to play with. And so when you took on the role two years ago, has much changed in terms of your remit as CMO, or what was maybe like one key change that you brought when you join the company,
1: the remit was grow these businesses, starting with soup, and very quickly that was accelerated. So the good news is we had a strategy in place of how to grow and how to uh, modernize our brands to bring in the younger consumers. The pandemic obviously accelerated that growth plan to then say. How do I not only bring in those new consumers, but how do I keep them coming back and how and quickly in a pretty mass way and reintroduce or introduce these brands that people may think they know, but doing it in a new way. So in a very short time, I think the biggest change, there's been change all over the place, but the biggest change I think is how we do marketing. It, I came into an organization where I think we generally you know, thought of it as that annual planning of campaigns and thinking in that 15, 30 second kind of frame of mind to pivoting and saying, no, things are changing. How do we get those signals and then respond with something that can be of use and bring value to our consumers, knowing that their lives were literally changing mm-hmm. you know, every few months through this pandemic, through the various phases of it. How can we be of value and be, meet consumers where they are? and not that classic
0: traditional way. right? not making assumptions, because like you said, things are changing by the day and still continue to. So for, for such a legacy company and brand, has there been any key shifts in, in, internally in the way that you operate to make sure you can be nimble and respond to consumers in the way that needs to happen?
1: Yes, what we've done is, it's been a year that we've been in a new structure and it is taking the activation in what I'd call the marketeer part of the job and putting that into a more centralized integrated marketing group where you are absolutely doing that consumer experience, mapping that out and working really in an integrated way to ensure that everything comes together. It is my belief that marketing today, is so rapidly changing and so technical that to expect a brand manager to know everything and to then translate that into the most modern way of activations. It's just, it's an impossible task. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not what it was when I first started working 25 years ago. It's just, it's not, there's complexity and there's change. And that's been a structural change and of how do we do that marketing? How do we bring the strategies and goals to life in the tactics and in the communication?
0: So are there, are there certain skills that you look for now when you think about the modern marketer specialist versus generalist, all the things that kind of, I, I feel like our, our community all often struggles with. What do you look for as a CMO when you're building your team? Number one, I think what's different is the collaboration I think
1: is uh, because you have so many specialists. Mm-hmm you, the importance of being able to collaborate, to have the self-awareness, to appreciate what each person uniquely brings. And then how do you compose that conduct, bring it together to getting something across the line. So I'd say that's something I see more and more important today than in kind of in the past. Then there are more, I'd say that's a very specific marketing what's changed Then there are the more general things that I look for. And I always say, I want thinker doers. I don't want just doers and I don't want just thinkers. So you can be super, super smart, but if you can't get that across the line, it's meaningless Mm -hmm. to the business. And if you're just a doer and you're really good at taking direction and getting it done, then I'm not getting the most out Mm -hmm. of you because I don't think, I don't think, People can operate individually and assume that the person that's giving that direction has the the best ideas. I need everyone to be able to add to the thinking, but then be able to get it across the line.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. And for your team right now, what do you guys have going on that you're super pumped about? I know this past year, Campbell's had a, a redesign, correct? The first time in a long time. But tell us a little bit about that, and then what's coming up for you guys that you're excited about. Yeah, the redesign
1: is a like, wow, to the first thing coming in to be tasked with that. It, it's one of those things of, oh, you can't mess it up. This is a brand, not only brand, but a design that is so iconic and beloved. But how do you continue to modernize and evolve it? it's walking that fine line and it was just so, these are the things I love of how do I stop someone in the aisle to get that double take that something's different, but it's still the same Mm -hmm. tables that I love. And what I, for me, not only was the design part fun, but it was so much more than that of for us, it was really just the first step in how do we reframe what condensed soup is. Because again, this is when you're new, it's so it, it, what you bring is the ability to ask those naive questions really coming from a consumer rather than an insider. And my question to the team is, do people even know what condensed soup is? And especially the younger generation. Do we need to help them see what that it's a shortcut to preparing a meal? And the, there's a generational, kind of difference and knowledge of that. And so that was really the genesis of, oh, this is is more than just how do we show up differently and have a new advertising, but this is really what is condensed soup and Mm -hmm. how do we share that with consumers in a different way
0: that's relevant to life? Has there been any key unlocks in terms of the insight with the younger generation that has helped? What was maybe like a nugget that your team has learned to help with the rebranding and and beyond? What we saw, and
1: especially if you think about the time frame that this has happened, it was during this pandemic. And what we saw was that significant increase in the, in cooking. And so (laughs) what a perfect time people are like trapped in their homes. (laughs) Absolutely. And so I, if you look at what the project, I always believe things have to start at the at the basic what is the product and what does it do this product is really it's packed full of flavor and texture packed full of that so that you've got a shortcut to start that meal because the it really is around Giving folks, giving consumers that shortcut. People want that homemade meal, but without all that effort. They want, certainly in this time, we saw they want the comfort, and that's been very much elevated. But then, how do I make it my own too? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to customize. It, 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 we call it comfort and discovery. That's something that Campbell's can uniquely bring. Absolutely, people come in for the comfort, but then, As humans, right, we want, especially after so many meals at home, you want that sense of discovery and to be able to make it your own at the same time. In all of this, easy and knowing that everyone's going to love it.
0: Imagine a marketing experience so immersive. Millions can enter your store and try your latest drop from wherever they are. That's the power of augmented reality on Snapchat. Over 200 million Snapchatters engage with AR every day on average, and with Snap's full suite of best-in-class AR tools, you can invite them to try your product, step foot into your store, and more, while driving real business results. Visit forbusiness.snapchat.com/ois to learn how your brand can tap into the power of Snap AR. We recently did a a fun article with um, TJ Abrams, the CMO of Exos, and he did, they recently are coming off of a rebrand themselves and he did a five things I learned from rebranding. I'm curious if there's anything that you personally have learned as a CMO in your role going through that process, especially through the pandemic, what would be like something that you learned? I would say, so I've done this several times. That's the good
1: news is this was not my first time doing a major rebrand on a very well-known and loved brand. And my learning over the years, including this one, is that consumers give you more permission than maybe you give yourself. Mm. And to not um, play it safe, especially in the beginning. You can always dial it back and use consumers to help you figure out like, how do I make sure I don't fall off a cliff? But if
0: you don't start far out enough, you've got no shot at making hmm. the that difference. That's really good advice. What were some of your other rebrands? Just curious. Trisket. Nice. Okay. We did a lot on Wheat Thins, on Stonyfield and
1: Those are, yeah, the main ones. And this is back to my career isn't a traditional career. So I didn't sit in a marketing seat until 2012 in a traditional marketing seat. So So, tell me about your non-traditional seat before that. So I started in R&D, product development. My first six years was benchtop pilot plant, manufacturing side doing coming up with new um, salty snacks. And then it moved the next six years was in consumer insights. And then from there I think I spent six years in innovation where the last two was also uh, general a bit of general management as I launched a new brand and a new category in China for craft Foods, and then I returned to the U.S. to run Ritz Crackers in the U.S., and from there it it grew. First half of my career
0: spanned three functions. All three very relevant functions to your role today, which is, I think that's the best part is, I'm sure you, do you have insights on your team now, or do you partner with insights? See, okay, we're seeing. Yeah, I have insights, I have
1: innovation. I'm a big believer that having that cross-functional appreciation, having an appreciation, especially the technical side of things actually allows you to be much more effective as a marketer. So having that, not just appreciation, but the actual knowledge and time and seat to be able to then problem solve, um, because there's always problems that come up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Before say your first CMO role in your career, did you have any strong mentors that helped maybe shape or, or help guide you to your next decision or provide any advice that you would pass on?
1: I feel like with mentors, they ebb and flow with where you are, right? A season, a reason or a lifetime yes. thought to, to the folks in your life. And for me, the ones that are more recent have been As I've been in my marketing kind of sphere and actually interesting one person, Jim Cowley, I started when I started working with him, I was actually in insights and I wanted to apply for a director of insights role and he was the one who really was pushing me to apply for the director of innovation. I was hemming and hawing and saying, if I move over, what does that mean for my career? I didn't have any marketing. Where do I go after this? And that was a piece of advice. He said, as you're overthinking this, don't worry. Just if this excites you, just take it. It was actually opposite of the conventional advice given, which is, Plan two steps out, plan three steps out, know how each step builds to the next. And it was definitely in the if this excites you, if the chemistry's there, all you have to focus on is doing a great job, because if you do a great job, other opportunities that you can't even imagine will show up.
0: And that's how that played out. And I feel like with mentors and tell me if you agree, and I know you uh, Linda joined our executive mentor program this past round, and we're so grateful that you were participating in that, but I feel like some, one of the underutilized things is mentors really see in you what you don't see in yourself. So it's less about the advice is great. The guidance is great, but sometimes it's just that they push you to have more confidence than I think we'll ever have in ourselves. And that's something that's always been, uh, at least a through line for me. Yeah, you're so right on that. Absolutely. And tell us about your experience by the way with the mentor program this round. Honestly, one of the best experiences
1: I've ever had in my career. It the quality of those mentees. I actually had two, so I had had one and then had a second and I would have taken more, I think. It was just I was so impressed with the quality of the mentees and I I think it's a testament to The best mentoring relationships, really, it is a two way relationship. And I felt I got so much out of it. You say grateful. I'm like, I feel grateful to be able to be a
0: part of that and to have the mentees that I do the traditional mentor model, the peer-to-peer that the mentees have with each other, and then also just the reverse mentorship, which we've heard a lot of, and and it's just been so great. And for those who don't know, our our executive mentor program, really the the core and the reason we started it a couple of years ago was really to change the face of the C-suite and bring in more diversity. So I know diversity is a big passion point of yours, Linda. Tell us a little bit about your how you look at diversity when you're building your team, how you look at it as a CMO and just yourself personally. My goal
1: is how do I make sure that gender is reflected at the senior levels, that it is making its way at all levels and not just at junior levels. And then there is diversity of um, thinking. I think there, there is an element, I, I know that may sound like a safe answer, but I think that's important. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if like traditional large CPGs, having been at many of them, bringing different thinking in. Is so critical and not just saying I'm hiring people in who think differently, but how do I make sure that we're integrating them and they're in influential roles, but also how do you bring people in from the outside, especially with such strong, a strong culture such as that, that we have at Campbell? So that's the second place and in, it's a challenge, especially remotely of how do you bring people in and make sure that they feel that they they're part of part of Campbell's and their voice um, is there and that they can be effective. And then the third piece is definitely in what we call the IND with just the other elements of ethnicity and, and such of making sure that piece, which takes, certainly we have it within our recruiting. As we fill roles and we're recruiting externally of having that, having a slate of candidates that is diverse, I think that's a good start, but we're also, we've started other elements to make sure that we've got a pipeline of talent and not, we're not just in a recruit kind of reactive state Mm -hmm. of when we need to fill an open role, but more systematically as we build our pipeline, making sure that diversity is included in different facets. And I think all three are critical, actually. It's not, you can't just focus on one, you really have to address all three.
0: Is there any example of something practical, any advice you could give other CMOs or marketers that in terms of how to foster that pipeline, how to proactively, it can't obviously just sit on the recruiting. We as the hiring managers, right? We need to play an active role. Anything you can share that you've learned or that's been really helpful for you?
1: I think it's around sponsorship and creating space for others. I think in creating visibility, I don't know if I've been, if I'm honest to myself in my past roles, if I've been so intentional, Mm -hmm. the way that I am intentional in this role. And certainly it's also a reflection of, you know, us as a nation and what we went through over the last 18 months of Mm -hmm. that awareness and beyond just awareness, really forcing us to take, to spend more time and being in having conversations, because I think that's how I would compare the last 18 months, I've had more conversation on this topic than I had in my, you know, 25 before that. And there's, that is the beginning, but then what are
0: the actions that we're taking? You can't have awareness without the actions. We're at that point where it's okay. Yes. But I, I do still think there's that element of awareness and just making people feel comfortable talking about it when mm-hmm. there's a problem. So, like an example, we had—I I know Eric Toda and Sue Young Kang mm-hmm. very well. We had them on the podcast earlier this summer, right at the start of my maternity leave. They did a, a duos episode, which it was so—it was so fun to hear from Sue Young and get to know her a bit better. As Asian American leaders, bringing them their whole selves to work, making people feel comfortable talking about the problems that we're facing. How do you do that as a leader? Has that been something that's been natural for you throughout your career or just more recently? What would you say? Oh, definitely not natural. I would say I was brought
1: up with the belief that I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want to talk about myself. The fact that we're talking, that's not something that, that comes naturally to me but I think it's important. And I, it is the making sure that I'm not wasting the opportunity or the gift that I have to be able to speak on behalf or to have that voice to it is, I do see, I'm not taking accountability for what I can do to help bring awareness. Like you said, it starts at awareness. I've got a role in that. And I think- Prior, I didn't ever think that I really had a role. And I didn't want it, to be
0: honest. I didn't want that that attention. I think we don't look enough at how we're setting an example. Just you being the CMO of this brand, just you speaking at engagements. I think even that just showing people and giving giving a voice to the community, I think, is underutilized. That's fantastic. And I just want to go back and talk a little bit, Linda, about your role, you mentioned you have a background with a role specific to innovation and now you have innovation that sits within the marketing organization. How do you keep a pulse on what the heck is going on in terms of what innovations coming down the pike where CMOs really have to stay at the forefront of not only what the consumer is saying, but things that the brand needs to be aware of and testing and piloting. How do you personally like stay up to date on all that?
1: So the food side is much, much easier because unfortunately I love all food and I've always, one of my favorite things to do is to walk the stores, but not only walk the stores, there's so many resources to see what's new and upcoming. And having spent a little time on, you know, the startup side, there's just constant sort of insight on the food side. But in terms of marketing innovation, which to me is just as important, I'll be honest, I'm not the coolest person. And so <laughs> how I stay up to speed with it is being surrounded and spending time with people who are way cooler than me. And that includes people who are younger. I don't have kids myself, but I think talking to teens and hanging mm-hmm. out with them, that really helps. You could easily see how, what their media consumption looks like, what's trending. So I think there is just from a people side It matters, right? The time you spend with whom making sure that you're not just in your own bubble, you're comfortable in personal bubble, recognizing that it's a bubble. So how do you make sure you insert others who are not part of that natural bubble into your life? I think also, and this is a little of my insights coming through is I truly believe every minute is an opportunity to potentially find an insight. So as we move through our day or week or year, as we move through that, we're constantly consuming messages, consuming information, consuming media. It, it is just that curiosity and to see the threads mm-hmm. of, um, of what's in common, what's changing, and then thinking about connecting that back then to our brands, to our products or Um, categories, it's that constant connecting the dots.
0: We often have as community meetups and, and ways for CMOs in the broader brand community to connect. We need like a way cooler series where we can bring in some inspiration um, from different areas, again, outside of your industry, who's doing stuff with NFTs right now, who can speak on right. you know, different topics that we don't often get exposure to. That could be really fun. All right. The cool. way cooler series. More to Yeah, come. definitely. <laughs> and I'll be honest. I think when you sit
1: in a senior role there is this fear to say you don't know and there is this fear of coming across you're not on top of everything that's going on i i think that's just a false it, it, that's heavy and i i don't want to carry that so for me it's the Never be afraid to ask the dumb question that it may seem dumb, but it's not because if you don't ask it, you can't move forward then to being able to add value to a conversation and to help connect dots for others. And it's total in expectations on yourself. Don't burden yourself needing to know everything. The most important is tap into the right folks that do and leverage
0: that. I love that so much. Thank you for that advice. What other, just on the topic of advice, any other career advice you can share with perhaps an aspiring CMO, somebody who maybe they do see it in their future or or maybe they don't and they're just in the marketing world right now trying to figure out their next move. What advice would you give them besides be open to opportunities? Because I think that was a really good piece of advice you gave at the beginning.
1: I would say know your superpower. So that's not unique, but I do think this topic of generalists and specialists, what gets you, what do you know just comes naturally for you and that you thrive in, gives you energy, where you want to spend your time, know what that is. And instead of trying to sell yourself to every kind of opportunity you should actually view it as, let me get to know what that company needs. And is that a match with what I'm just great at and what I get energized by? Mm-hmm. I think that to me has been a shift as I've moved through my career. I would say you know, in the beginning of my career and mid-career, I felt like I was always trying to sell me, right, to get that offer, Rather than now, I'm very much in a place of this is who I am. This is what makes me tick. And is that what you want? And I think that's where the magic happens when there's that, when those two things are the same answer,
0: just on that same trend of tradition of thinking, um, that you have to know everything. That's like, that's of the past uh, or feeling like you have to assimilate for a role. I think people, again, candidates are in the driver's seat right now. And I think people are realizing more and more that they can be a little bit picky with their next role. And we're seeing a lot of that. Awesome. And then in terms of just back to your team, what are some ways in this hybrid virtual world that you're keeping your team engaged? I know it's an ongoing struggle. Things are changing daily and, and so do our our methods, but anything that you have found that has worked for you that you'd share with the community? I think I've been surprised that
1: you almost can't have enough frequency of contact. Hearing from me, even if it's a one directional, a big huddle, but also I definitely make the time to do one-on-ones. It is that constant contact a piece to it has been giving people the space to ask any question and a safe space to ask any question that has, I've done that from the beginning. And I think that's a really important piece in building that trust and also feeling connected, especially when
0: we've been virtual for so long. We heard that a lot from Greg Lyons from PepsiCo around just giving people a safe space. I I can't stress that enough. And I'm curious what something we've been asking all the CMOs who have joined the podcast recently, what is keeping you up at night? Oh, lots of stuff. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) At a macro level, there's no, there's that phrase, you don't know what you don't know. That's the space that I'm constantly wondering What's my blind spot? What is it that I don't know that I don't know? So that's at a macro level. At a micro, kind of closer in level, we're all experiencing these shifting challenges. And those challenges are related to supply chain, to inflation, to labor. To There's a lot of of these challenges that all of us are experiencing through, it's managing the business then through that and saying, okay, which ones are short term that we're going to manage through, but which ones are longer term that we need to then rethink and re-engineer aspects of our business so that we can maintain the health of that. For folks who like challenges and problem solving, I feel
0: this time, it really is requiring that on all fronts, on multiple fronts. We have been getting that question a lot in terms of marketing's role in the time of supply chain issues where marketing doesn't own it. Marketing can't solve it by itself, but you're part of the solution as a member of the executive team. Any advice you could share on how you've been going through that as a CMO? As marketers, I think we're used to
1: being the one in charge and being in that driver's seat. And I've said in the past of sometimes a good leader knows when to be a good follower. So there is an element of knowing, okay, you've got this, you've got this, and I'm going to, what can I uniquely, or what can my team uniquely do? And early on, the supply chain challenges have evolved, but early on it was, we can't get enough product out there. And so instead of marketing traditionally being the conductor of solving for that, it was, okay, sales and supply chain, and maybe in finance, like you get that we're going to figure out how to make sure that consumers are inspired to cook because they're having to cook a lot more. How do we make sure we're being helpful and how do we build our brands and help introduce the brands in a way that is meaningful and relevant today? That was in that first phase. We're now at a phase that our role has been and really understanding that shifting, it's constantly changing. Supply situation, what does it mean then on our investment side? Because we certainly don't want to be putting, driving more demand if there are real supply challenges. So being very connected to that, mm-hmm. we meet almost more than weekly to, to manage through that. And it is in that together, we're in this together. How do we share? the information, and then therefore make the right investment decisions that we need. And in that, the last space from a more ongoing operational um, standpoint, it is how do we simplify? We like innovation, we like SKUs, but there's an operational complexity. That is that comes with that. And therefore, from a total business health, how do we simplify either operations
0: or our portfolio and to just to be able to optimize that? Really good point. And I think it speaks to your earlier point about the need for somebody to be a strong collaborator, all everything you just mentioned that couldn't be more important. That's awesome. I think you've just done such a, such an amazing job with the the way that your career has taken so many different turns and been untraditional and has brought you to um, be the CMO of such a loved brand. Best of luck to your team in the holidays. I'm not going to let you go without asking our final question though. What is your secret dream job? So if money or talent were no object you could do anything, Linda's nodding like, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know the question.
1: (laughs) I wanted it to be this when I was younger from a child. So hopefully one day I can still do this. I'd be an architect and I have an obsession with floor plans, home, designing home floor plans, like residential floor plans, very specific. And yeah, so that's what I'd be doing. Do you do anything with that as a hobby in your spare time? Or is it just right now? I had a project where I did a gut renovation. So took down walls and I was the general contractor. So my general contractor actually gave me her team. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. I became the de facto GC on it. And I loved it. Every little detail of construction and design
0: and the practicalities of how do you take a I need to take down some walls in my house. If I send you the plans, can you help me? There's such a market for that, honestly. And to project manage all the elements that go into that's it's fascinating and it does take a very unique skill set. Very cool, Linda. Thank you so much for again being with me and before the holiday break. And can't wait to get this episode out so everybody can hear your great advice. And, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company?